So Colossians chapter number one. I want to read verses 1 through 12 of Colossians chapter number 1. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news or the gospel. This same good news or gospel that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth of God's wonderful grace. You have learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you for since we, for since we first heard about you we give god we ask god to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom understanding then the way you live will always honor and please the lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit all the while you will grow as you learn to know god better and better we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belong to his people who live in the light. Amen. Thank God for the reading of his word. Father, bless your word. Let it go forth with clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. And today in the book of Colossians, in this first installment of this, I want to preach to you about pray through it. Pray through it. Here in the book of Colossians, we find another letter from the Apostle Paul and just a brief, brief oversight of the book because we're not going to go into every little detail. But one of the most important things that Paul does throughout the book of Colossians is that he is combating false teaching and false doctrines. Right. And one of the things that not only is he combating false teaching and false doctrine, but the real point of the book is to show the sufficiency of Christ for every believer and for all of mankind. And so he's writing to the church and, and th there were people around saying, oh, Christ is not this and you don't need that. You need to do these things in order to be saved. And what he begins to do Period. And that's point blank period. That's what my mother-in-law says. That's the end of it. Christ is sufficient for all. And he says, now let me deal with these false people that's been talking to y'all. Let me deal with this false doctrine that has been trying to infiltrate the church. That sounds like a 2022 false doctrine all over. Everyone's got their own opinion that they have exalted as scripture. We have our own theology, this theology and that and this religion and this thing and pray to this thing that's not Christ and, and use this and, and use these crystals and like this and, and put this around your house. Put this smoke in there. It's going to cast the devil away, not knowing it might bring a devil in there. Um, and so he begins to deal and, and, and begin to de destruct all these, these false teachings and false doctrines. One of the many things that he does. And, but the thing that he does, I, I love this, is that the first thing that he does when he begins to deal with false teaching and false doctrine is that he begins with this long piece about prayer. 
And he begins to say, wait a minute, before I deal with the false teachers, I'm going to deal with them in prayer first. Before I go arguing about why this is wrong and why that is wrong and why you need to believe in this and why you need to believe that, Paul takes an approach to say, first, we're going to win. the." I heard Pastor Chris Hodges. Uh, he's a pastor of the Church of the Highlands in Alabama. He says that you got to win the war in the spirit. And he was talking about church planning. He said, before you go plant a church in your city, win the war in the spirit first. Basically, pray about that thing first. Pray over your city first. Pray over what God wants to do. And this is what we have done since June of 2019 until September 2021. Pray over this thing. Make sure, make sure you're aligned with what God is doing there, right? He said, you got to win the war in the spirit. And Paul takes this very same approach where he says, before I begin to correct anything, I want to deal with it in prayer first. And this is the first thing he does is that when he deals with in prayer, because remember it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says that we, it says that we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons to knock down or tear down strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments. He says that we cannot approach false, we cannot approach falsehood in the flesh. We cannot approach falsehood in the flesh. He says that we have to approach it in the spirit first. Y'all better hear that thing. My God, that was good. That was off the dome right there. He says we got to deal with this in the spirit first. We got to hit them with the most powerful weapon of all, and that's to first pray about it. And this is the thing I thought about this as, as Paul is, is writing this letter about prayer. I said, I, I said to myself, thank God for a leader that prays for his people and not prays on them. I said, God, thank you for a leader. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mario. Jones. Thank you for a pastor that prays over the people. That says, before I begin to start telling you, you're doing this wrong and you're doing that, as he has to do in many of his letters, he has to correct stuff. A lot of times he would say, before I start correcting, let me pray for you first. Before I start correcting, let me, let me get God's mind and God's heart towards what you're dealing with instead of just correcting in my flesh. And I took that as a lesson for myself. I said, God, pray. I said, Corey, pray for them people. Don't just start correcting. Don't just get angry. Don't just start doing this. And don't just, no, no, pray for them first before you correct them. Pray with them first before you correct them. Pray, pray about it for a season. Sleep on it for a moment before you start to deal. That way you get God's heart on the same. So I said, God, thank God. I need to thank God for a pastor that pray, that's praying for me. I want y'all to know I'm praying for y'all. I'm pray, I promise you, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God's hand would be on you. I'm praying that God would, would meet you where you are. And as you go throughout every, I don't know how I got on this, but as you go through the things in your life, the things that you're facing at your job, in your career, with your family, I'm praying for you. That God's hand would guide you. That his wisdom would be with you. Hey man, let's go on moving. I'm about to, I'm about to go to praying right now. And so the first thing in verse number three, he says this. He says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God our Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ and your love for all of God's people. Paul's prayer is first a prayer of thanksgiving. His first prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving. He is grateful that the gospel work is working in the lives of the Colossian church. He is almost, I thought about it as someone being excited that someone even got saved, right? And as I thought about this, I, almost, I had to tell myself, don't, don't, don't lose the joy that we find as a body when those, when people come into the kingdom. See, sometimes we almost take it for granted. Oh, that person got saved. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a holy thing when dead people come back to life. This is a holy thing when the lost are found. This is a holy thing when the broken are restored. I, I just want to stop us for a second and say, wait a minute, let's begin to thank God when people come from darkness into light. 
Let's begin to not lose that and say, oh, this is all you got to say. Oh, good for you. Like, no, wait a minute. You gave your heart to Jesus. You, my God, I got to think about it. You gave your heart to Jesus. You mean to tell me that you've been free from darkness? You mean to tell me that the devil no longer has a hold of you? You mean to tell me he freed you from a day? I'm not going to be just, I'm not going to take that light. I'm going to say, God, we thank you when salvation comes into our life because I know where I was at in a dark place. And I know what it was like when that light hit my life. And I know what it's like to be in bondage and I was set free. I said, God, I thank you. I, th I said, let's not take it lightly when people come out of darkness. Because as I like to say from time to time, remember where you were when darkness had a hold on you. Remember where you were when that light hit you and you said, oh, my God, I've seen the error of my ways. And but not just that. I've seen how much God loves me. I've seen how much he cares for me. I've seen him just like the prodigal son's father waiting at the road saying, son, I've been waiting on you. Let's celebrate. Because remember, he said this in Luke. He says, remember, we're celebrating because my son was dead and he has come back to life. My son was lost. And now we got to celebrate this thing. And Paul says, the first thing that I'm thankful for is that this gospel is at work in you, that this gospel is transforming you, that this gospel is making you more like Christ. And it's another what he says, too, is that he says, I'm thankful. He says, I'm thankful. I've heard about your faith in Christ. But another thing he points out, he says, I've heard about your love for all of God's people. He said, I'm glad that you have faith in Christ, but I'm even more glad that it's producing the love of Christ in you. That, check this out, your faith in Christ, your salvation, it's not just making you come to church more. It's not just making you give more in the offering. It's not, it's, you know, it's not, it's not just making you be a better, you know, a better husband, better father. We want to do all those things. But he says the most important thing, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for your salvation, but I'm grateful that this faith is producing one of the greatest attributes of our Christian walk is that now is to love all people. He says your faith is producing a real type of love. My spiritual leader, Apostle Cedric, he would always say, Corey, the greatest thing we can do is love people. The greatest thing we can do is love people them sometimes out of the foolishness that they are in. And that's the thing, and I, and I say this example, my apostle uh, and his wife, Prophet Brianna, I've seen them, and my wife tells us, I've seen them, 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 them give hard words to people. I've seen them say hard things to people, things that someone needed to hear. I've seen them bring correction, but you can feel the love when they say it. That it don't feel like you, you, you giving me a hard word, but you're trying to, Lord, you don't like me for real. You're trying to tear me down. I've watched them say hard things and corrections, but you can feel the love in their words. That I know you're, I know you're saying something I need to hear, and it's kind of tough to hear, but I know that you love me when you say it. He says that, man, that's the greatest thing, Corey, you can do as a leader, as a pastor. Make sure that people feel the love, man. Make sure that when you go and you see people, make sure they feel that you love them, genuinely love them. And Paul says, I'm grateful that this faith in Christ is producing a show enough Christ type of love in you. Remember, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that these three remain faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these things is love. The greatest of these things is love. And remember, in, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, remember, he's saying that, hey, I can prophesy to everybody. If I speak in all types of heavenly tongues, if I give all my money to the poor, but he says, if I ain't got this love, he said, well, I'm basically missing the point. Even before that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking about gifts. And what he says at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now let me show you a more excellent way. Let me show you a better way than your gifts is to love people. He said, let me show you a better way than your tongues is to love people. Let me show you a better way than 
are you loving them or are you just prophesying with hatred in your heart? He said, all of this comes to a point. All of this is we're missing the point if we do not develop into a Christ like type of love. And Paul says to the Colossian church, he says, the first thing I'm thankful for is for your salvation and that your salvation is producing a real Christ like type of love in you. He says, that is what I am grateful for the most. And then he says this in verse number six. He says that this same good news or this same gospel that came to you, it's going out all over the world. And it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. As we talk about the gospel transforming us and causing us to love one another, he says, another thing I'm thankful for is that this gospel is not just for you, but it's for the entire world. And we got to keep saying this. And I say this a lot because we're a church of diverse people, of diverse backgrounds, of diverse ethnicities. I always want to say and, and highlight this forever is that this gospel is for everybody. I don't care. We don't care if you're black, white, if you're Asia, Africa, if you're tall, short, if whatever you're. This gospel is transforming power for every single body. There is nobody that's exempt from this gospel. And this is the thing I want to say, too, is that even if you're saved, you're still not exempt from the gospel because the gospel should continue to transform us from glory to glory, from level to level, from faith to faith. So even if you say, well, Corey, I already saved. I got the gospel. I know Jesus. I don't know. No. See, the, see, if you're saying that now, we, we, we got to go back to the basics because this gospel should be continually working in us. It should be continually forming us into the image of Christ. And that image is for everyone to be conformed. I know if your image is black right now, okay, that's good. I'm, I'm black too. Be conformed to Christ. If your image is white right now, okay, I love you white, but be conformed to it. If your image is blue right I, okay, that's good. I, I want you to be blue. I want you to be Indian. I want you to be African. But let's make sure that the most important image that we're trying to portray is the image of Christ, not just the image of my color. And I say that as a black pastor and, and, and us as black people are, are very uh, known for being proud of who we are, proud of my culture. I'm proud of, of who I am. I, I love being a black man, but that's not more important than my walk in Christ. That's not more important than me being conformed to the image of Christ. So don't ever feel like you have to diminish who you are, but no be seen is the image of Christ. Amen. Amen. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Up here. Amen. So let's keep it moving. And the next thing here. So he gives a prayer of thanksgiving. I'm thankful for your salvation. And then let's go down to verse number nine. Verse number nine, it says this. It says, so we have not stopped praying for you. He's still praying since we first heard about you. But then he says this. He says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so first prayer is a and his next prayer is a prayer for wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge, I like to say it like this. Knowledge is knowing it. Wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Got a lot of folks with knowledge, which is knowledge is good. We got to get the knowledge. But the wisdom say, well, now, okay, what you going to do with all knowledge you got? Amen. So <laughs> he says, I want you to have complete knowledge of God's will. But then I want to give you complete spiritual wisdom and understanding. And before we deal with that, another thing with knowledge and wisdom is that I use, for example, this maybe, I hope you get this right. I'm, I'm a musician, as most of y'all know. I play the keyboard. I went to school, studied music, got my degree, all that stuff, right? Before I met Archer, I was on my way to New York City. I said, I'm going to New York City. I'm going to be a musician. Me and my keyboard, we just going to make it. I'll live with 10, 10 roommates. Y'all was about to see me on the Grammys, all that, right? My homeboy, he said he's going to Nashville. My other homeboy was like, he's going to Philly. My other homeboy said, I'm going to L.A. I was like, well, I'm going to New York City. I'm, I'm going to do my thing. That was my thing. That was me. You know what I'm saying? But then, you know, I met this girl and she said, she said, I'm going in the army. You come. I said, 
Guess I have to go to New York later. I'm going, I'm, I guess I'm going in the army too. Right? I'm, you know, I'm going to be there. I'll be an army husband. And so anyway, we're here in Jesus' name. So that was my plans for New York. So, But as a musician, right, I studied music in school. And some of you guys are musicians, right? All the knowledge that I've gained, I gained in the classroom. I studied scales. I studied this. I studied movements. studied how to write music, how to read it, all of this stuff, right? All of these different pitch and how to hear it, all that. That's all the good knowledge. And that's good. I needed that. But the wisdom comes in to where it says, if Kimberly's singing, and you may not understand this if you're not a musician, but just bear with me. If Kimberly's singing in the key of E, I don't start playing in the key of G. Because like, well, that don't make no type of sense, Corey. That's not even, that's not the wise thing. What you do thing is, if she starts singing in E, oh, wisdom, okay, I start singing in E. I start playing in E. If she starts, she go to A, I go to A. If she go to B, I go to B, right? I've learned how to apply, and this is a very basic example, I hope you understand. I've learned to apply the years of sitting in the practice room and sitting in the classroom and writing on the charts and writing on the scale and writing on the staff. I've taken those years to now I can flow and say, like earlier we were playing, and I was like, Daniel, go here, go there, play this. I, I want to hear this right here. I've been able to put into practice the things that I've learned. Even though I'm not playing with him, I'm able to hear it and say, oh, I remember it. Okay, go here, go here. Oh, let's go. All right, come on. We think about the glory, right? All of these things, wisdom and knowledge, right? And so what God says, right, let's take it back into the word. He says this. He, Paul says, I want you to have complete knowledge of God's will. And when we talk about the knowledge of his will, he says, I don't want you just trying to fumble around, trying to figure him out and say, oh, what God, I don't know what God is up to. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to have a complete knowledge of a complete depth of him. Right. And he's saying that I don't want you to have this is the thing. I don't want you to just have a worldly knowledge because there are many of us that even when we talk about Bible, we know the scriptures. We know what it says. There are theologians that have studied the Bible that are not Christians, that have read it. They know it. They could probably, I mean, mess around, mess around. You meet a Muslim on the street. They start quoting scripture to you better than you. Mess around. You meet a, a, a Hebrew Israelite. They know that word, but back to, back to front. Might know they read it three or four times. You're like, well, I'm still working on it. Will know the scripture, but has that now transformed into a knowledge of his will? So now have we gotten just some worldly knowledge or is it a deep knowledge of who God is? And I'm not against worldly knowledge. There are many of you here. You are masters, doctors, PhDs, very intelligent people. Highly, I, I speak to all you. Highly intelligent people, doc, ministers, all of these things. Right? You guys are CEOs. And so I don't ever want you to abandon your knowledge that you have in the world or in your, in your marketplace. But know that the most important thing that we need is a, a deeper knowledge of who God is. Not just a worldly knowledge to where I can say things, but it has not penetrated to the depths of my heart. He says, I want you to have a, a thorough knowledge of his will. Come on, that's good. He said, I want you to have a thorough knowledge and to know him in fullness, not, not, uh, uh, not reaching, not trying to guess at him, not trying to. He said, I want you to know him deeply and not just in a worldly sense. And he says this. He says, wisdom this spiritual wisdom that I want you to have is the thing that moves us forward because it now applies the knowledge that we have obtained. Proverbs 9 and 10, it says this, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. True spiritual wisdom, true wisdom of spiritual things begins with a healthy fear of who God is. It begins with a healthy reverence for who God is. Is because when you know who he is, now I know how to move. Now I know how to approach him. Now I know his heart. See, in order to begin to walk in that spiritual wisdom, I have to know him. 
And once I begin to deeply know him and reverence, oh my reverence and say, you are God and I am not. He says, oh, now you know how to move. Now you know how to step. Now you know how to order things because now there has been a spiritual wisdom that has been applied to the knowledge that we have obtained. And this is the last thing here. Let's go down to verse number 11. He says this, not only a prayer for thanksgiving, a prayer of thanksgiving, not only a prayer of wisdom and knowledge, but in verse number 11, he says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience that you need. Paul prays his last prayer is a prayer for strength, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer for wisdom and knowledge and a prayer for strength. He says, he says, he says, we need to have this strength if we're going to endure and be patient at the level that we need. It takes strength to endure. It takes strength to be patient. It takes strength to keep going through adversity. It takes strength to persevere. It takes strength to not give up and not quit. I remember when I played football, uh, I was a junior, uh, sophomore in high school, and I wanted to play football. And my dad said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure, man, I'm going out. What do you mean? I'm going out to the football team, man. What are you talking about? I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be Sanders. What are, you, what are you talking about? Of course I'm going to be good. I went out there. And that first, uh, you know, first pickup practice is cool. Who's out there running around catching that? Oh, you know, we out there. Then we put a little couple of shoulder pads on. I was like, okay, cool, ain't no problem. You know, we got a little pads on or something. And then it was about that Saturday morning. He was like, all right, we hitting the day. I was like, we hitting what? What we hitting? What we hitting, coach? <laughs> we hitting the dummies or something? Like, no, I want you to line up there. You, I said, nah. I said, coach, I'm a, I'm a preacher, man. I'm a, I'm a musician. Man. Like, I'm not for the tussling around, you know. Boy, the pads got to pop in that Saturday morning. I went home. I told my dad, I said, I don't think I want to play no more, man. I think I'm good. You know, I'm going to sit this season out, you know. I'm good. I said, I'm not for the, you know, I'm a man. I was like, but I ain't really for the contact. You know, I'm good. You know, I'll be all right. I'll sing in the choir or something. He said, no, boy. He said, you started it. You're going to finish it. And so he made me play the whole, the whole season. <laughs> he made me play the whole, wouldn't let me quit. He would not. He said, you will not quit. He said, and what he said to me, he said, you may never play football another day in your life. But he said, I won't let you be a quitter. He said, I won't let you be a quitter. Just because it's hard. It might be tough. You might not like it now. But it was more so like, you'll thank me later when you got kids. You'll thank me later when your marriage gets hard and you keep going and you keep trying to work it out. You'll thank me later when you get laid off and the bills are due, but you go out there and get after it and not give in and just say, we're just going to be homeless. And this is no, no shade to anybody, but I, he said, when your kids are hungry and you got to go get out and you need some money, you'll thank me when, you, when something rises up in you and say, wait a minute, I ain't no quitter. Wait a minute, my family ain't going down. Wait, you'll thank me when you're in ministry and it gets tough. I'm not a quitter. I'm going to keep going until God says time is up. And I look back now at 33 and I said, I'm glad my father did not let me quit. Yes. I'm glad he said, stay there. And I ended up liking it. I ended up playing two more years after that. So it worked out. I ended up liking it. That's one of the funnest things I did, right? But I'm glad that I had a father. That's a word right there. That's a word. I'm, I'm on a tangent now, but that's a word right there. And I know people have different upbringings and different. So I just honor my father. But I'm thankful that I had a father that said, uh-uh, you stick it out. Even though it's hard, even though it's tough. You stick it out because you're going to thank me later. You need this in you to not quit. Come on, anybody thankful for some fathers in here? I don't care if it's natural father, if it's an uncle, if it's granddad, whoever it was that was a father. And thankful for some, some real fathers that would say, no, boy. Uh-uh. And he had that look in his eye. I knew he was serious. I said, oh, Lord, this man going to make me stay out there. But y'all meet my dad in a few weeks. He's going to come preach. Uh, but thank God for a father who says you need this strength to endure so that you do not quit.
And Paul prays the same thing like the father he is, right, to a lot of these churches in the New Testament. Remember, he's an apostle. He's, he started a lot of these works. So in the true form, just like my natural father, Paul takes this, this, this spiritual father and say, I'm praying for your strength as, as new believers in Christ, as babes, right? Remember, think about that. As babes in Christ, as teenagers in Christ, just like my father said to me, he says, I'm praying that you get some strength in you. And not that you will be strengthened in your own strength, but he says, I'm praying that you will be strengthened with God's glorious power. And this is the last thing, and I want, to, I want to wrap this up here. This is a key here. He says, I want you, in verse 11, he says, I want you to be filled with joy. This, I want this strength to translate into some joy. And this is the thing. We see this connection in Scripture between joy and strength. Come on, y'all know the Scripture. Nehemiah 8 and 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It also says in Isaiah 12 and 2, it says, the Lord God is my strength and my song. See, when I think about a song, I think about something that's joyous. I think about something that is, okay, this, we're not just, you know, sad songs, but no. I, what he's saying is that, God, you're my strength and you are some type of joy. You're some type of something, something that makes me jump. You are something that makes me put a smile on my face. Not that everything is always going great, but I have some joy. He says that when we get some real joy, you will find some sure enough strength. Because on the days when you ain't got no joy... On the days where it's hard, I should say, it's hard to find that joy. It seems like that strength is hard to find, too. It's like, man, this is, whew, this is a rough week. This is a rough day. This is, when you're reaching. But, on, but notice on the days when you're like, you know what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know what? This thing is going to work out. You find uh, something in you to say, even when you face hard things, to say, I'm going to keep going anyway. Because the joy of the I've got a joy in my heart to know that, God, all things are working together for the good. I have joy knowing that if I trust you, you said that you would handle this. You would work this out. But what we have to do is tap into that joy. To say, you know what, God? And sometimes, I'm on tangent, but sometimes you almost gotta, you almost gotta, I heard TJ say, sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it sometimes. To say, you know, I'm gonna smile anyway. You know, let me get a shower. Let me put on a nice outfit anyway, because sometimes that joy, you gotta, you gotta, I'm gonna act like I got it. And then sometimes you'll find yourself later in the day, now, I mean, oh, wait a minute, something has changed in my demeanor. Something has changed in my mindset. And, and that's really what it is. It's a shifting of this mindset to say, I'm gonna set my mind on the joy of the Lord. I'm going to set my mind. I'm going to tell my flesh, no, no, no. I'm not going to be down today. I'm not going to be tore up today. I'm not going to allow this to get me down. I'm not going to allow this to mess. No, no, no. I'm going to set my mind on the joy of the Lord. And I'm going to say, God, that joy is my strength. Even though I have some hard stuff, even though I got some bills to pay, even though there's some things I'm facing right now that I don't like, I'm going to still set my mind to say, I will look to the joy of the Lord and let that be my Strength And Paul prays this like a true father over this young church in Colossians and says, I'm praying for your strength. I'm thankful for everything that God has done. I'm thankful for your salvation. I'm praying that he would give you a deep knowledge of who he is and he would give you a deep wisdom to know now how to move forward in that wisdom. And I'm also praying that God would give you supernatural strength and joy in him. Amen. Amen. I pray you all receive the word today. Marquise, come on. Can you play? And I, and I want us to do something today.